Welcome to the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Man, if, if, if you guys were here, like as we were wrapping up our, our worship segment, um, Pastor Nate got up here and he was preaching. Like, I mean, he was fired up. So, so Nate, you're up again, brother. I'm going to, matter of fact, can you come and finish the rest of this message for me? All right, he said next time, next time. Man, we're so, so glad that you guys are here with us today. I'm so excited um, for all the reasons that Pastor Nate just got finished mentioning, but also um, because we're celebrating child dedications. And honestly, when I was looking at those pictures and being over there and just praying over those children, it's like, it's, it's one of those things where I just, the best way for me to put it is just, I just, I just love our church. I love our community, and I love how we all get to come together and partner in community together. So I'm thankful that you would invite us to be a part of this journey with us. But in addition to that, um, we're in unique November, and and we have Mission Sunday. So I I got some things I want to unpack with us today. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to to join me in Matthew chapter 28. Um, This is a passage that I come to frequently. And, and the reason being is because it, it really is the, the commissioning of the church. It's, it's Jesus' um, ultimate, like, last words speaking to the church. And so it's, it's very powerful. Our church is built on that. All churches are built in some way off of these words. And so sometimes I just love to come back to the original assignment that God gives us so that we can stay on course. Jesus has been in three and a half years of of earthly ministry, and he's been having significant impact. But now he's saying, like, but what I do has to go beyond just me. And, And that's a powerful thought in and of itself, because you would imagine that if anybody, if anybody just wanted to cling on to Jesus, it would have been the disciples. But, but even Jesus understood that the true mark of leadership is making sure that what I do lives on beyond me. That's what we call true legacy. So Jesus is now saying, man, you guys see me do some amazing things over the past couple of years, but I've also taught you how to do those things. And so now it's time for you to carry on what I had started. It is time for you to pick up where I left off at. So starting here at verse number 19, um, I, I want to read this to us all together um, in our community. Here's what it says. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always until the end of the age. He says, go. You guys have seen me do some things. You guys have hung around me for a while, but it's time for you to go. It's time for you to get to work. Today, I want to talk about the importance of living a life that's on mission. And I've entitled today's message, Let's Go. So let's pray and and let's get into it. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this precious community, God. And I I just ask, um, Lord, that I decrease and that you increase. Lord, I pray over the next few moments that you give us open eyes to see you in areas where maybe we've lost sight. I pray for open ears to hear your truth above all the chaos and drama that may be waiting for us outside these doors. And Lord, I pray for open hearts that we can receive everything that you want to speak to us today. Allow it to go deep in such a way that it could be seen in our actions and in our behavior. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit comes in this place and and that it begins to to soften our hearts and begins to lead us and nudge us and challenge us, encourage us, inspire us to do what it is that you're calling us to do. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen Amen. and amen. You know, uh, family, I think it's, it's probably not hard to look around in our culture and see that we're officially in the tis the season time of the year. 
as I like to call it. It's the tis the season time of year. There's a couple of indicators that lets us know that we're officially in the holiday season. And, and, and one of the first ones for me is when I went to the grocery store, quick grocery store run, and when I walk in, I see that they have the eggnog out. Bless the name of the Lord, oh my soul. Like, it, 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 it stirred me. I've been like, spoken a spirit while I was writing. The aisle. Like, I, I felt the presence of God. I was like, man, yes, it has officially begun. Now is the time. And, but then I, I, I quickly learned that, that there are some people that are haters of eggnog, which I just don't understand it. So, so if, you, if you do not like eggnog, I don't want to single you out, but I really want to single you out. From, if you're not an eggnog fan, can you please just lift your hands up? I just, I'm just curious. Half, half the church. I, I want to see if this is, I want to see if there's a connection to this. If you don't like eggnog, you probably have an Android as well, right? I'm picking up a rhythm here. I'm picking up a rhythm here. These are the dissenters. These are the people that go against the grain for no reason at all. They're martyrs with no mission. Like this is who these people are. This is who these people are. But we're going to pray for them. We're going to believe that they're going to come to the altar. We're going to lay hands on them. We're going to see life transformation happen. But I was surprised to see that there were so many eggnog haters out there, but that's okay. But then some of the other indicators that lets us know that we're in the holiday season is that whenever you go on, whatever your favorite streaming app is, they're starting to present all of the, like, Christmas movies now. Like, all of the, the cheesy Christmas movies, and I feel like they're all the same at this point, where someone who's successful in a big city, but they just need to get a break, so they go off into a small town. Y'all seen that movie before? <laughs> All of them are the same. And then they get to a point where I just really need to simplify my life, but yet there's still something bigger calling for you. Yeah, we all see it. Like, you begin to see those things get presented as well. So we're now officially in that time of year. Let me, let me ask this question. When is too soon to put up a Christmas tree? Somebody said never. They said they never took it down. They're just holding on to it. I, I understand that. I, I began to recognize that some of my friends on our social media have begun uh, to put up their Christmas trees. I, I, was, I was tempted to do it. I moved it into a staging area. It was in one side of my garage, now it's on another. And so now I'm ready, I'm ready to get to put it up. Megan was out of town for sisterhood in Jacksonville. Otherwise, we would have had the tree up. Like it's, it's just, it's tis the season. It's something that gets you excited about, about having these moments that we have these relics that can allow us to be inspired. And in fact, right here at OMA, they have an amazing exhibit that they have that takes place every November. It's, it's, a, it's the Festival of the Trees. If you have not been, I want to invite you to come and check it out. It's really cool. Like, you get trees, and it literally takes over the entire museum. It's, it's beautiful. When you, get, you can buy some of them. You can take pictures and be inspired by some of them. Like, these trees are, like, super, super legit. But, but when I learned about Festival of the Trees, I didn't have the same joy that I have right now, if I could be honest with you, because I learned about Festival of the Trees last year around this time. And so for me, as beautiful and as impactful as it is, what I recognized was it was interrupting our ability to come to church as we normally do. Because it literally takes over the entire building. It's beautiful. So I remember that one day I'm sitting at the office and, 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 and Pastor Vinny calls me. And, and I don't want to even offend him by trying to mimic his Brazilian accent, but I'll just try. He said, hey, brother. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to have church this Sunday. And I'm like... The devil is a liar. We don't cancel church. We cancel the enemy. What do you talk about, Vin? So we're, we're talking and we're laughing and joking, but he's walking me through the museum and saying, like, man, the trees are, are everywhere. 
man, we, we're not going to we're not going to be able to have church in the way that we typically do, man. Like we we weren't anticipating that. So this joyful, beautiful thing was now disrupting our rhythm. And, and so now we had to pivot. We had to figure out what are we going to do? Because for me, I, I love when we get a chance to gather. I love every opportunity that we come together and worship and, and serve together. But, but now we have something that is interrupting our comfort. So now we had to get creative. And so what we said is, okay, so, so what, what can we do? What, what, what difference can we make? Like, we, we don't want to not do anything at all, so we got to figure something out. So we said, well, what if we, what if we got together and what if we decided to serve instead of gathering like we traditionally do? We began to look all around and say, like, who could we partner with so that we could potentially go out and serve because we still believe in the value of us coming together? We, we found a partnership with U.S. Hunger, and we were able to get about 150 people that are part of our community to come there with us, and we were able to package over 20,000 meals that fed people here in our community. In the name of Jesus, but also on the burden of our discomfort. But oddly enough, our discomfort fed people. We, we began to then say, okay, what are we, we going to do the, the next week? Because we were going to be concluding this, this series called Signs, and, and we were preaching through the varying miracles of what God was going to do. And so I was really fired up to conclude this series, but then I realized that we couldn't, we couldn't gather here, so, so where are we going to go? Then, then Vinny said, well, you know, our, our Brazilian friends over at Vita Church, they said that we could use their facility, and, and maybe, maybe we can go there for a night service. We're like, man, it's in Winter Garden, and it's going to be at night, man. Like, no, one, no one's going to go. But, but we have no other option, so, so, so let's give it a shot. So in, in faith, we did it, and it was really uncomfortable, and you're standing there hoping and wishing that people are going to show up, but lo and behold, people showed up. And, 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 as, and as the gospel was preached and worship was powerful, we even had people experience baptism that night that we did not anticipate. And it was, and it was all because something disrupted our comfort. We, we even heard stories of, 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 of last year on that last Sunday, which we typically do reserve that for church at home. Because as Pastor Nate mentioned, we know that people are traveling. We know that you may have folks in town. You may be out of town. So we wanted to create an environment where you can bring church into your home. And, and even in that, I was concerned because now church at home was only going to be the last Sunday of the, of the month. Now we've had consecutive Sundays where we didn't gather, so I'm like, well, maybe we should gather, but, but it was too late because the, the venue wasn't available, so we said, let's, let's just go ahead and keep it out there. But man, that's going to be three weeks in a row that we're not gathering in our traditional way, but then we started getting testimonies of people who were sharing church at home with family members who were in town, and they were away from God, and God used it, and people got saved, and, and relationships got healed, and we started seeing life transformation happen. All because our rhythms were disrupted. It's amazing to see what God will do in our interruptions. Maybe some of our biggest complaints about being thrown off of our regularly scheduled program are actually divine appointments of God wanting to do something beyond all we could ask or think. Unique November has once was this moment of something that we had to do out of reaction. Now it's something that we intentionally embrace and look forward to because we are able to see the impact that it's able to do in our community and so much further. I know I'm not the only person that has been at a place where sometimes those moments of discomfort are the very thing that activates calling. Those moments of discomfort can be the very things that activates purpose in your life. I've talked with so many people that it's as a result of them getting laid off, they started their business and now they're doing well. 
I've seen many people that as a result of losing that relationship that was taking up their time, they actually ended up finding the spouse that they were supposed to be. And now they look back in the rearview mirror and say, thank you, God, for allowing me to dodge that bullet. I'm the only one that prayed that prayer. Y'all better tell the truth to me in church today. Those, those moments were things that you wanted that resulted in heartbreak, but you didn't realize that God was working behind the scenes the entire time. The word of God declares that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Even when we look at the idea of bringing a child into fruition, we recognize there's moments of discomfort. But there's a moment when that child can no longer be contained in that environment and it begins to say, I can't stay here anymore. And even though it's going to require some discomfort, it's going to require some stretching, but there's something that needs to be delivered that's going to be able to reproduce the kingdom of God. What I'm saying is maybe there's something on the inside of you and you're experiencing a little bit of discomfort right now. Maybe there's something on the inside of you that you don't understand while you're being stretched the way that you are. Maybe God is trying to give birth to destiny. Maybe God is trying to give birth to calling. Maybe he's trying to give birth to an anointing in you, but you got to go through the discomfort. What, what the Bible says about the early church is that when the early church was birthed, when Jesus speaks these words over the disciples, he, he expands on them in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. And, and what he says to them is like, not only do I want you to go out into all the nations, but let me break down a strategy for it. I want you to do it in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem. Wait a minute. Jerusalem is a place that you just got killed at, Jesus. Judea, Judea is the place where they rejected you, Jesus. Samaria, Samaria is the place where the outcasts are at, Jesus. The ends of the earth, that's where the Gentiles are, and they're all unclean, Jesus. Everything that you just told us to do, Jesus, is incredibly uncomfortable. But then Jesus says, but the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to empower you. He's going to encourage you, and he's going to mobilize you to do what you're called to do. So, so they said, okay, Jerusalem, this is, a, this is an environment I'm comfortable with. So they get to work in Jerusalem. In fact, when you read Acts chapter, when you read Acts chapter 1 through 7, it's literally talking about the ministry that takes place in Jerusalem. It's right in their own backyard. They're, first, they're, they're hiding off in, in like this attic space called the upper room. And, and then it, a revival breaks out, and then thousands of people get saved, and then it begins to get bigger and bigger. But it's still contained, it's still contained inside of Jerusalem. And if we're all honest, if we're looking at our modern lens, when you start having success, as they say in Greek, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, why would we go beyond this? Like, we're having revival. Everywhere we go, people are getting healed. Everywhere we go, we're experiencing significant breakthrough. So, Jesus, we'll just ride this wave right here in Jerusalem. But it, it, makes, me, it makes me understand now why in the animal kingdom that birds are often pushed out of the net to recognize that they have wings and they can fly. While they were in Jerusalem, from Acts 1 through 7, there was still another aspect of the world that God wanted them to reach. And so, what was the tool that was used in order to motivate movement? Unfortunately, it was persecution. Because as they were preaching, people were a little frustrated. And then there was this one man named Stephen who was bold enough to stand in front of the very people that were responsible for killing Jesus, and he literally told them they were wrong. As if he was going to get a different response. But he did it anyway. I'm, I'm literally thinking as a communicator, know your audience. These are the people that killed Jesus. I'm going to say this. Hey, guys, what happened with Jesus? Not cool, but I'm praying for you. I'm leaving. Like, I would have kept it as such a simple message. But he stood before them and not only broke, broke it down biblically and theologically, but he also confronted them with the truth. And then the result was he ended up getting killed as well. 
What happens after that is the Bible says in Acts chapter 8 is that the church was then scattered because great persecution came upon the church. But what it says in Acts 8, verse number 4, is the thing that we need to hold into our hearts. And that those who were scattered preached the gospel everywhere they went. Those that were scattered preached the gospel everywhere they went. They said, okay, we're moving from Jerusalem, but now we have to go out to Judea. So since we're here, let's begin to declare the gospel. When they went from Judea, then they went to Samaria. Well, since we're here, let us start preaching the gospel. And literally everywhere they went, there was power, there was anointing, there was breakthrough, and there was miracles. I'm of the mindset to believe that if they were not persecuted, they probably would have stayed in their comfortable little bubble and would have, felt, and would have launched a, a three-year strategy to finally get to Judea and another five-year strategy in order for them to get to Samaria. But when God begins to motivate you, sometimes it's going to come at the cost of your comfort. They were scattered. So when you look at the word scattered, another Old Testament term for that is that they were exiled. They were removed. Begin to think about the influence and impact that happened with the people of God when they were exiled. That means that I'm being moved from my native territory, but I'm still anointed where I'm at. I don't know if somebody caught that. I may not be where I want to be, but it doesn't mean I'm not anointed to be where I am. I, I may not be at the place of comfort, but it doesn't mean that I'm not called with power and authority where I am at. We were able to look at the life of Joseph and see when he was sold into slavery and then he ends up in Egypt. But if we understood, the anointing was never with proximity of a geographic location. It was on his life. So no matter where he went, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So even when he was in a prison cell, he was anointed. Even when he was falsely accused, he was anointed. That even when he got promoted to standing next to the head man inside of Egypt, he was anointed. And he was able to use that influence to save two compiler nations because he was anointed to do the job. It required him to go through something very uncomfortable to end up in a place where he could bring restoration into an entire people group. It's amazing to see what God can do, that even when we're disrupted and we're scattered, we go with a missionary mindset. Having a missional mindset, it means understanding that I'm here on purpose for purpose. It, it, it means understanding that I'm anointed for such a time as this. It's understanding that I'm called to do something to make an impact in the name of Jesus. I've had the incredible privilege of, of going on several missions trips and serving in, in, in local ministries and outreaches throughout the course of my life, and I've had the privilege of doing that alongside of my family. And, and I remember when we first started doing it, I said, okay, let me give my family a pep talk. Let me allow them to be prepared for what we're about to go into. Our, our first one is we, we serve missions in, in, in the inner city in, in Jacksonville, and we would go out to this community, and we would play with the kids, and we would we'd try to clean up the food pantries. We would do a lot of amazing work there. But as I'm coming there with my children, I'm preparing them for it. Hey, guys, we're, we're going into the mission field, and we have to have a different mindset while we're here. We have to have a focus while we're here. We have to have a perspective shift while we're here. I've, I've been able to go to Costa Rica with my oldest son. I've been able to go to Northern Ireland with my, my daughter. We went to Dominican Republic with Megan and, and Caleb. And each time we went, you, we had to talk a little bit about having a missional mindset. Because it's possible that if you don't have a mindset shift, you can bring your privilege into other people's pain and you can't relate to them. We, we, we got we to gotta have to change of our mindset. We have to change our perspective. We have, to, we have to change our posture. It's amazing what you can accomplish when you have a missional mindset. See, on, on a day-to-day -day basis, if I could be quite candid with you, there, there's, never a, there's never a version of my life where I prefer to be somewhere where there's not air conditioning. 
I never signed up for that. Like, if the temperature gets one degree too hot, I'm like, what is going on? Is the power out? Like, I'm about to have a meltdown. But there's, but there's something about a, a missional mindset. It, it, with my son, man, if we lose Wi-Fi for 30 seconds, we can't get him to do the dishes, take trash out. We can't get him to do anything. The moment the Wi-Fi even flashes for a second, you would think that the house is falling apart. He's running down, like, Dad, I think something's wrong with the Wi-Fi. Like, I don't, I don't know what we're going to, like, but that's, but somehow I can go into a country and be disconnected for two weeks and not even think about it because I've changed my mindset. Would you understand you have a missional mindset? You recognize it's about calling and not about comfort. You, you understand that there's something that I'm called to do and my comfort is not something that determines me to fulfill my calling. See, I think that there's ABCs when it comes to the missional mindset. And, and I believe that all of us need to have this mindset if we're going to be effectively on mission. Here's, here's the first thing I want you to write down. You have to be available. You have to have a mindset that says, I'm available. You have to consider for a moment that God has called me for such a time as this, and I am absolutely available. I want to read a passage of scripture to you really quick that's found here in Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 8. Then I heard the Lord, this is God speaking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I, this being Isaiah, said, here I am, send me. To be available means to be present and ready for use. It means to, to recognize that there is a need, and I understand that there's something inside of me that can help meet that need. Here I am, send me. I know that there's some people that you want to reach. Here I am, send me. I know that there's a deficit in what some folks are experiencing, and I have an abundance. So here I am, send me. I recognize that there's some folks over here that are struggling with discouragement, but you've given me the words of encouragement. So here I am, send me. I see over here that there are some people that are struggling with their resources, and, and I know that I may not be rich, but I got something that can make a difference. So, so here I am, send me. A, a, a missional mindset is understanding that I am available to do whatever is necessary to ensure that people can have an experience with God. I'm available. I, I love the story of Elisha. Because Elisha was just minding his own business. He had his own business. He was very successful. But he was available for what God wanted him to do. And what Scripture says is that Elijah, his mentor, came to him and put the mantle on him. I don't have the time to get into all the theology, but says, hey, man, you're up next. It's up, it's up to you. And he had a moment where he could make a decision. He could say, man, like, this isn't a good time. Well, come back next year. But what he said is, hey, let me, let me conclude my businesses, and then I'm going to come, and I'm going to follow you. He made himself available, and what Scripture says is that because he was available and he fulfilled what God called him to do, that there was a double portion of anointing on his life. In the kingdom of God, an empty vessel often leads to overflow. When you say that you're available, it simply means that, God, I am an empty vessel, and I want to be poured out upon the people that you've called me to go to because I know that what you put in me is not just for me. Here I am. Send me. The second thing that we need to have when we have a missional mindset is we need to be bold. There needs to be a measure of boldness that's on the inside of us. We, we, can't, we can't serve the people of God from a posture of fear. We understand that when we function with a, with a bold mindset, that means to be willing to act. That means that I'm confident that God has sent me there. I have courage. To be bold means to move forward and powered by the Holy Spirit, motivated by Jesus. Empowered by the Spirit, motivated by Jesus. Those two things have to be married together. 
Because unfortunately, we have people being bold, but they're not doing it in godly ways. So if you're doing something for God and it doesn't look like God, mathematics says it ain't God. If it's God, it will look like God. It will have the impact of God. It will challenge people, but will also encourage people like God does. Having boldness means that I'm not going to shrink back in fear, but I'm not going to confront my obstacles as if it's an enemy because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's understanding that I'm anointed to be here and I'm willing to do what God's calling me to do, but I'm going to do it empowered by the Spirit and with the words of Christ. I love in Acts chapter 3, as the early church is beginning to get out into the community and declare the name of Jesus, that very name that resulted in people being killed. But there's a moment when they go to the temple. This is to the religious people's territory, and there's a, there's a man who, who looks at them and says, man, like, can you, can you give me some money? And there's this powerful statement that Peter makes. He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. To be bold means this, this was at an inconvenient time, at an inconvenient moment, and certainly at an inconvenient location in front of the temple where all the Pharisees and Sadducees are going to be walking and watching. But there was a boldness on the inside of them that said that the right time to do the right thing is right now. And I may not be able to resolve every situation that's there, but what I can do is present Jesus in a way that's going to move you forward. Being bold doesn't mean that you can solve every problem. It simply means I'm going to presence Jesus in the midst of every problem. Being bold, knowing who I am, whose I am, and what I am called to do. To be bold means to move with confidence and pivot with grace. That's what it means to be a person that is bold. And, and then here's the last thing that we need to have as people that are called to be in the mission field is we have to have compassion. We have to have availability. We have to be bold, but we absolutely have to have compassion. Compassion simply means to show kindness and mercy to someone else. Compassion. The ministry of Jesus was marked with compassion. In fact, here's a, here's a little uh, background for, for you. When you read the Gospels, each Gospel has its own lens and emphasis and things that it zeroes in on. When you read the Gospel of Mark, Mark deals more so with the emotions of Jesus than any of the other Gospels. So you will see phrases and adjectives that describes his motivations. You'll see that there are moments where he, he says something out of frustration. You'll see that he does other things out of conviction. But one of the most consistent things that you see in Mark's gospel is that when Jesus does something, he does it because he has compassion. Mark chapter 1, verse 41 says this, Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, be healed. Jesus saw this man who had leprosy that everyone else was running away from, and this man said, Lord, if you're willing, can you heal me? Because he had compassion on him, he said, I'm absolutely willing, and he touched him and healed him. How powerful is that? That Jesus sets the example that we don't look down on people, we look up to God. That when I see someone that is experiencing oppression or suffering or struggle, I am filled with compassion. I don't look down on them. I don't see myself as, man, look at how blessed I am and how not blessed you are. That's a completely unhealthy perspective. But what Jesus does is he sees that whenever there's inequality, my job is to bring people up so they have equal dignity. That's what it means to be moved with compassion. Compassion means to bring people up. I love this quote here when it refers to what does it mean to have a missional mindset. It says that the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions, and the nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. In other words, as we draw closer to God, it is hard to have an authentic walk with God and not at some point say, I'm available. 
I will be bold enough to declare God wherever you have me, and I have compassion on God's people. That's what it means to have a missional mindset. And so for us as a church and as a community, we have a lot of opportunities to take what we do in here and take it out into the world where God has called us to be. Over the next few weeks, let me share a couple of things we have going on. On November 12th, that's this upcoming Saturday, we have our partnership with Orlando's Children's Church that you're welcome to come and participate in. I'll give you some more information on that in just a moment. As we heard Pastor Nate say, on November 13th, that's next Sunday, we're going to be gathering at Bill Frederick Park, and it's a serve day. But here's the beautiful thing about it. Not only are we going to be serving our community, but we're going to come together. We're going to have a worship song. We're going to share a quick word of devotional, and then we're going to take the things that we preach about, the things that we sing about, and we're actually going to do something with it. See, we gather to scatter. We don't just gather to stay here and come back here from week after week, but we're not actually doing anything with it. In the name of Jesus, we gather to scatter. And the environments that God takes us to go into, we scatter with that anointing. We scatter with grace. We scatter with wisdom. We scatter with impact. We scatter with authority. We scatter with life-changing anointing and calling on our lives. We gather so that we can scatter. Then we have on November 20th, we have our joint service with Vita. You see, Vita Church has grown to be Dear friends of Megan and I, the pastors there are wonderful people. But you know when I met them for the first time? It's after they made their church available for us to have a service there because we couldn't have service here one year ago. And that one year, that sparked a covenantal relationship, not only with us as pastors, but us also as a church. Being able to demonstrate a a diverse community that looks like heaven that, that is willing to come together. And this joint service, it's not about one name or another name. It's not about my church or another church. It's about the church coming together to demonstrate what heaven on earth is supposed to look like. And it never would have happened if we weren't moved out of our comfort zone. Then we have on November 27th, our church at home experience. Here's what I want you to do. Invite someone over. If you're traveling, this is not something that you just put on in the background. It's a short message. It's a, it's a short thing, but it's intentional with helping us to create an atmosphere of love and grace and peace. And you'd be amazed at what God can do when you simply put on a message that's about, I mean, it's me preaching, so it's about 30 minutes. Um, but, but it's good. But, but we get together and how people can create discussions in their home and are recognizing, I can do this in my home. That means I could do this with my family. I could speak words of life over my children. That means I could do this with my coworkers at my work. And this is what taking ground in the kingdom looks like. Church's home is meant to demonstrate that you don't have to come here. We gather to scatter. And when we go into the environments that God has called us to go into, there's authority and anointing there. Let me give you some background on some of the local missions that we have that's, meeting, that's waiting for you guys that's out in the foyer. We have OCC, which I mentioned, Orlando's Children's Church. They serve a, they serve a Saturday program that is meant to, to pastor children from kindergarten to 12th grade. And what they look for is churches and, and missional partners that can come in and just be a presence of the goodness of God in people's lives. And some things that we just take for granted, being in an environment where maybe you hear the words, I love you, being in environments where simply your basic needs are met. So this organization established a ministry where they literally go and bring these kids in because this may be the only time a week that they can have someone look them in the eye and tell them that you matter. And we get a chance to be a part of that. We have our partnership with iDignity, something that is incredibly important to me because if I could be honest with you, I recognize the, the, the opulent wealth that's all around us. 
and, and maybe you personally aren't living with it, neither am I, but we see what's available. Every time I drive from where I'm at and I come to downtown, there's a quick shift from the suburban white picket fences, the two-car garages, and, and people walking and, and smiling to the time I get into the inner city and I'm seeing people who are struggling with basic necessities. And sometimes you realize that the ability for them to move forward is reduced down to them simply not having an ID. Because without an ID, you just can't move forward. So what iDignity does is they partner with, with government agencies and with partnerships of people that make themselves available, and they use these resources to simply help an individual get their identification, which then allows them to get a bank account, which allows them to apply for a job, which literally allows them to move forward with their life. This is what God is inviting us to be a part of. And then we have Young Lives, which is under the umbrella of Young Life. And maybe you've heard it. It's a, it's a ministry that, that serves inside of middle schools and, and high schools and even up to college students. But Young Lives specifically is a volunteer-driven ministry that is all about relationships with parenting teen moms, whether they're pregnant or maybe they've already had their child. But what they're looking for are mentors that could come alongside them and that can pray with them that can meet with them, that can encourage them, that can be in their lives because I can't imagine being 14 years old and having a child. I, I can't imagine what that looks like and to not have the proper resources, even the, the spiritual mentorship so young lives. It takes people who are available and it invites them to be that voice in the wilderness. But it doesn't stop there. We have our global missions as well. I wanna share some stats with you. Every month, your giving makes a difference. Because of your giving, every month we're able to feed, every day, 83,000 kids in Zimbabwe. Because of your faithful giving, we've partnered with Bible translation organizations and the Bible has been translated into over 200 new languages as a result of us partnering with these organizations. We've partnered and helped launch over 100 Christian businesses in nations where it's illegal to start a church, so they start a business where they can have church inside of their business because of your forgiveness. Our partnership has planted three new churches in refugees for, in Cyprus. We, we planted five new churches in the Amazon jungle, a church in every village in unreached parts of Thailand, and we also helped to launch two new churches in Celebration Zimbabwe. Last year alone, as a community, we gave over $660,000 that goes directly into the mission field. And so when we have these, these missional moments where we actually can leave our country and go to these organizations in these other countries to simply share the goodness of God, I, I once heard someone say, man, like, why, why would we do that? Like, people could... They could find, we could just send the money that it would cost to send a missionary. We could, we could find other ways to, to utilize those resources. Why is going on a mission trip necessary? Isn't it counterproductive? And, and I understand why people have that mindset because in the past, being a missionary meant having a colonial mindset. You come in, you just take over, and you make it conform to what we believe it should look like in the West. That's not what this is. When we go on to the mission trip, we go into organizations that are already established in that nation and we ask them, how can we help you? Because you're the ones who have to carry on the work. But in addition to that, I have been on the other side of conversations with people when they're sitting in squalor and they're looking at you eye to eye and they're saying, you live in a promised land. Why would you come here to see me? 
And my answer is always the same. It's, it's because God loves you. And if I had to travel 2,000 miles to get here just for you to hear that message, it was worth it. The life change that can happen with just that conversation, you can't put a dollar amount to it. So, so next year, we're going to be going to, to Cuba, which is considered to be one of the least church environments in the world. And we're going to join and partner with other churches that are already established there and, and preach the gospel. We're, we're going to go to Celebration Zimbabwe, where we're going to continue to, to help them do the missionary work that's in the kingdom. Over 25 different locations, thousands of people getting saved, also creating jobs for individuals. It's, it is amazing to see. And, and maybe you sponsor a child in, in Zimbabwe. Megan and I do. And while we were there, we got a chance to meet the child that we were sponsoring. It's just this powerful moment. We also have an opportunity to go and serve in Ecuador. And this, this trip in Ecuador will literally be backpacking through Ecuador, going from village to village, partnering with the local church that is there, and simply declaring the goodness to God of people that, that cannot even wrap their minds around while someone will leave the comfort of America to come across the country just to let them know that their lives matter. But that sounds like being on mission to me. It means checking my privilege at the door and going and saying, I'm available. Here I am, send me. It's about being bold and saying, I don't have the answers for everything, but what I do have, I'm gonna present Jesus in it. It is about having compassion. I don't look down on anyone, but I look up to God and I want everyone to have equal access. Jesus simply says this, go. Go, go into the world and, and, and change it, go. Go, 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 and, go and make disciples, go. Why, why are you all just sitting here, go. I, I know that we want to celebrate what you've seen me do over the past three and a half years, but that was literally just the intro track. You got to continue this album on. It's time for you to go. We, we are just getting started, so let's go. Let's, let's go and be the church that makes the mind that says that we are not going to just gather and stay in our little holy huddle and our comfort zones, but we're willing to recognize that if God is sending us some places, that it's because we're anointed to be there. So we're going to go to OCC and make the difference in the lives of these students. We're going to go and partner with young lives and let these young girls know that their lives are not over just because they had a child at this age. We're going to go to Ecuador and let these people know that their lives are matter and that they're made in the image of God. We're going to go to Zimbabwe and let these kids know that there are people in America that love them and that are praying for them. We're going to go and look at people who don't have identity, but let them know they still have dignity and that we want to do everything we can to help them to move forward. We are going to be the church that says, let's go. Here I am, send me. I am not having all the answers, but I'm bold enough to recognize, but what I do have, I have Jesus and I'm willing to go. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to go. It may cost me some money, but I'm going to go. It may cost me some comfort, but I'm going to go. It may cost me some friends, but I'm going to go. It may not line up with my politics, but I'm going to go. I'm going to see people the way that God sees them, and I am going to go. We are a church that's going to go. So what I want to do is I want us to go back into worship one more time, and we're going to seal in what God has spoken, and then I'm going to commission us to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But let's worship God one more time together as a family. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you heard today. If you'd like more content like this, or you'd like to connect with us, go to celebrationorl.org. We hope you join us next time.